I'm so tired. There's not enough hours in the day. Bullshit excuses. I've got too much to do. I have to work late. I have to run the kids around. The bullshit excuses. I have to get up early tomorrow. They end now. This is fitness for nine to fivers. You work day-to-day jobs. In fact, you may even have two, and you've been trying to fit in a healthy lifestyle. We have the solution. This is fitness for nine to fivers. And this is Andrew Marsham. So, welcome back to another episode of the Fitness for Nine to Fivers podcast with myself, Andrew Marsham. Tonight, we are going to be covering what is the best time to eat. Yes, very confusing topic that is often thrown around. Um, If you haven't done so already and you're listening back to this podcast, go to the link in your bio, the link in my bio, sorry, or the link in the show notes, and get your completely free custom meal plan. It is linked there. Stick in your details. I'll send you one across. Um, and it's completely free. Absolutely nothing to pay for. Um, and you're going to get my top 10 nutrition mistakes as well that most 95ers make. Um, so if that's something of interest to you, by all means, pick it up. Um, we also, big announcement, are running a 21-day fat loss challenge. That is going to be starting on the 12th of October. For anyone listening, it is a pound a day. It is £21 for the three weeks. Um, there's a load of prizes and things like that involved. Um, so if you want involved in that, by all means, jump in. Um, but we're going to get straight into the topic today. As I said, any questions, comments, anything, just give me a shout. Um, what are the best times to eat now? Firstly, we have to look at and frame this in the perspective of how actually important are the times that we eat? Now, they aren't as important as most people think. That is just the, the plain truth. Now, I will go to say that there is going to be a difference between eating five to six meals a day, let's say, and eating all your calories once a day, half an hour before you work out. So there's there's going to be a massive difference there. You know, like you're not going to perform well if you're eating all your food half an hour before you work out and you're trying to cram in two, two and a half thousand calories most days. So to that extent, obviously there has to be considerations, but how actually important is the meal time? It's really, really not that massively important. There's that that's just the, the be all and end all. The important part is that you hit your targets and your macronutrients for the day. That you hit the targets that have been laid out, that you hit the structure of that you, you stick to the meal plan that has been laid out for that time period, for that 24 hour time period. Now, yes, we can get we're going and we will get into intricacies of what are the best times to eat. But if you you will often hear that breakfast is the best meal of the day. You will often hear Fraser on Instagram, you'd see on. You will often hear that you shouldn't eat carbs after six. You will often hear that you should do this, you should do that. You need to eat this then, you need to eat that. The reality is, if you have, let's now, I'm going to assume everyone listening to this, even though I know you probably don't, has a proper nutrition structure in place. You know what your targets are for the day. You know what your macronutrients are supposed to be. You know what meal plan you're supposed to be sticking to if that's the route you're going. 
let's assume you know that. The, 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 the ultimate, the, the, the best practice for that then, if I can spit that out, that was like uh, Billy Madison there. Um, if I, the best practice then is to split, split the majority of your calories evenly throughout the day, most of the time. Now, everyone is different. So let's kind of talk about different things along the lines of intermittent fasting or, you know, eating around the workout and things like that. These are conversations that will come up. Now, for example, we've got Stuart who's on the, the client end the call at the moment. Um, he has been moving his meals to later in the day. So he has been moving his first meal, his breakfast, to a bit later on in the day. Why? Because he was struggling a bit with hunger levels. Hunger levels were starting to build up. He was finding in the evenings a bit hungry. But when we pulled those calories from the first meal in the day and moved them to later in the day, we weren't having as much of a problem. The hunger levels subsided a little. He had more calories for later in the day. And again, that is a conversation that you should have with yourself or your coach or, you know, whoever's, you know, whatever you're doing. So if you're someone who is not hungry in the morning, some people can go until lunchtime every single day quite easily having a coffee and some water or something along those lines. If you're trying to lose body fat and you can hold off until lunchtime to, to get your calories in, that is not a problem. You're not going to lose all your muscle overnight by skipping a breakfast. You're not going to have you now. Again, if you're noticing that your energy levels and things like that are massively down because you're not eating a breakfast, then maybe it's, you should put something in. But if you're someone who can do it without thinking about it, then maybe it's a good idea to hold off until a little date in the day and put those maybe two to four hundred calories, three to five hundred calories that you're going to have in breakfast meal or you, you know, you're kind of snack meal in the morning or whatever, to the evening when you're sitting in front of the telly, when you're relaxing, when you're listening to my fucking shitty Zoom calls, um, when you're doing all these different things. Um, so if you are someone who is more prone to eating snacks in the evening, has more of an appetite in the evening, then it makes more sense to save more of your calories for that evening time period. So the timing then comes down to you. Now, Let's dive into more um, specifics. So around the workout and things like that, the majority of people listening to this will be people who are trying to get a little bit leaner, a bit fitter, a bit healthier. That, you know, that's the ultimate goal for the, the majority of the guys I work with. I am a normal guy who helps normal guys get fitter, healthier, lose a bit of body fat. We are not stepping on stage, competing in a bodybuilding tournament or performing a, an Olympic lift on a, a high, you know, at the highest level. If you are, you probably shouldn't be listening to me um, at the end of the day. Um, I'll, be, I'll be completely frank with that. Um, there's better guys out there who can help you. Um, but what you need to then think about is, do I, the, the question will come up, should I be putting this around the workout? Do I need to have this then? Do I need to have X, Y, Z, you know, at this time? Should I be cutting out all this kind of stuff later in the day? Not really, honestly. So let me give you a perspective on how I like to space things out. Let's look at let's look at what, in my opinion, is the most important macronutrient, which is protein. So let's look at protein. You may have a target. Let's say, again, I'm going to assume everyone has their targets figured out. Um, let's say your target is 170 grams of protein per day. 150 to 170 grams of protein per day, per day, sorry. 
The best thing you can do in terms of muscle building, fat loss, satiation, etc., is spacing that evenly throughout the day. Somewhere in the region of three to five servings per day of protein is going to be a good place. So you could have some eggs at breakfast with some bacon medallions or something, a morning snack, a lunch meal, maybe a protein shake or something along the lines in the afternoon, and then your dinner. That's five servings of protein throughout the day. It is more beneficial to space that protein evenly throughout the day for one, muscle protein synthesis, which is the muscle building process. So that is the synthesize, the building and synthesis of new tissues. If you can, that process is, imagine a roller coaster. It's stimulated, it can go up and down every three hours. Now, if you consume in less, if you consume the protein in like a two hour window, you don't get that spike until the three hours again. They've actually tested this with putting amino acids straight into someone via IV and things like that. So spacing protein every three to four hours is probably a good bet, three to five, honestly. It's not going to make massive differences. But if you're someone who's muscle building, who has a muscle building goal, and you can get more servings of protein in per day, to pair that over a four, six, 12 month period where you're in a muscle building phase, that is going to add up and make a difference. I would probably argue anyone against that. Now, then you have to look at what, what is the best way to structure my meal plan? How can I get a seven of protein in the morning, mid morning, lunch? afternoon and then evening and then maybe something again before bed if, I, if I'm so inclined or if I have some calories left. So that's how you look at protein. Now, depending on when you work out, you can get in, into in, intricacies of how you split up your carbohydrates and fats. For example, if you're someone who works out in the evening, you probably want to have more of your carbohydrates later in the day towards and around the workout. You'll often hear, shouldn't I be avoiding carbs after six? If anyone can tell me the difference between a potato at six in the morning and a potato at six at night, I'm all ears. Like, I am all ears. Anyone has ever, um, if anyone can show me the difference of how they scientifically change or how a potato at 6 p.m. has more calories, I'll be completely blown away. <laughs> so, if you're someone who works out in the evening, but again, this ties back into this. So if you're hitting your overall calories and your total macronutrients and things like that for the day, if you're having more of them after 6 p.m., say your carbohydrates, then by default, you have to have less in the morning. So when you then get up the next day, you're going a period throughout the morning where you're not taking in carbohydrates and probably less calories. So as someone who works out in the evening, it's probably more beneficial to have reasonably reasonably sized carbohydrate meal at lunch, maybe a, a, a light snack or something before you train, and then a, a heavier carbohydrate meal post-workout when you want to replenish those glycogen stores, shuttle some, some nutrients and things into the cells by getting a spike in insulin, and driving all those amino acids and things like that from the protein and maybe, maybe potential pre-workout meal and things into the muscle cells where they are needed. Now, if you're someone in the morning who's your trains in the morning, then you might not want to have a big breakfast in the morning. Having something light, little a small light protein-based meal is going to help. Something like a shake or you know, quick protein bar. It doesn't need to be anything crazy. Maybe some, some eggs or something if you can stomach that. And then again, probably putting your heaviest meal post-workout is going to be more beneficial for recovery and things like that. Now, the actual differences probably won't make too much of a difference over time. But these they, they can add up these things but again let's tie it back into this if you're someone who's training in the morning 
pot always has an appetite in the evening, then you want to probably move that heaviest meal to later in the evening when you have those when you when you have the, the urge to eat more calories. The meal timings and things like that, we can tweak them to suit yourself, but it should always revolve around you as the person. You as the person, yes, listen, we can talk about optimal all day long. We can talk about the best way, best time to put carbs in, the best time to have fats, the best time to have proteins. The reality of this situation is 99% of people listening to this podcast and 90% of the general population probably can't hit a macronutrient target or stick to a meal plan, never mind time one correctly. That's not a broad stroke. That's not to sound um, condescending or anything like that. It's just not within our lifestyles. It's just not even within our requirements. If you're stressing out about what time you're eating or what time you're getting a certain macronutrient and all your goal is is to look a bit leaner, fitter and healthier, it's probably over worry. It's probably over stress for unnecessary. Now you can set them up meals. If it's easy enough for you to do and you can stick to it, by all means, set up your meal, your meal plan, things like that to focus majority of your carbs around the workout, pre and post, and then have some fats and then proteins in the morning, some fats and proteins in the evening or, or however you structure your day. So it is most beneficial, let's look at the most beneficial way to according to research and things like that, to put the majority of your carbs around the workout. You know, pre-workout, pre one to three hours before, post-workout, two to two to three hours after, or one to three hours after. And then if you're having a morning meal, protein and fats, you know, something along those lines, or if you're training in the morning and you want to put the protein and fat meal in the evening, that's probably going to be the most beneficial way. You can organize macronutrients for performance, etc satiety, hunger levels, all that kind of thing, and spacing the protein evenly. Now, if you're going for just sustainable results, think about how you can best set up that, for example, fat loss program to where you're going to get the most food when you want it most, aka the evening, when you want to ram a tub of Ben and Jerry's down your throat, just like me. Um, I had to pull myself earlier, got done at the checkout counter at Tesco, walking out at Tesco, quality streets, pound fifty. Not saying no to that, not a chance. So of course, picked up the quality streets. What did I do? I took them into the house. Now, first mistake. <laughs> first mistake, I took them into the house um, because I brought everything in. I had one out it and then genuinely walked back out to my car and put them in the boot. I discussed this last week. That's what I do with Easter eggs. <laughs> and if I hadn't done that, I would probably have rattled already half the bag by now half the box so again setting your environment up for success and what suits you is going to be far more beneficial than the actual intricacies of the meal timing um, unless as I said you are going for a performance based sport or you have got to step on stage you have to look a certain way in front of the camera for example my photo shoot I had to carb load do all these certain things there was tweaks to hydration vitamin C levels carbohydrate I don't do that on a daily basis I have a protein fat let, give, let me give you some perspective in my day. And again, there's a full day of eating over on YouTube where I literally, literally walk you through the timings of my meals, when I'm training, what I'm eating at when, the exact structure of how things are laid out. If you want to go and watch that, I think it's called Full Day of Eating for Fat Loss on my YouTube channel. Now, I train at 11 a.m. I have the beauty of being able to go to the gym in the middle of the day. Um, so what I do is I get up in the morning, 5 a.m., I'll get up, have my shower and stuff. Then I will have my breakfast, which is protein and fat based. Generally, eggs, 
bacon medallions, mushrooms, sometimes a bit of black pudding. That's my breakfast. Then, pre-workout, around maybe half nine-ish, I will have some protein powder on two snacker jacks, so chocolate chip snacker jacks. Small carbohydrate serving, small protein serving. Oh, 30 to 40 grams it is. That's pre-workout around an hour before. Then we'll have like a protein, a pre-workout shake, which has essentially no calories in it. Post-workout alcohol, we'll just have a meal, whatever I have prepped. So today it was like beef enchiladas. That's what I had. Um, after that, I then had um, a grenade bar around 4 p.m., I think. And about 6 p.m., I had a steak with some veg. And that's my meals for the day. I generally finish eating around 6 p.m. Um, I tend to finish a bit earlier. I just, for some reason, have adapted that way. Um, I used to be the complete opposite, where I want to eat the majority of my calories in the evening. But I have found through my previous my previous efforts when I worked my nine to five, I just wanted to come in and work. That's all I wanted to do. I wanted to be distracted by the kitchen. So I got into the habit of eating everything by like 6 p.m. and then just working until half 10 or whenever I passed out. <laughs> so... That has then kind of stuck with me over the last few months. I would used to be the complete opposite. I wouldn't eat anything until half nine. I would have a small salad. I would have a lighter lunch. And I would have the majority of my calories in the evening. I have reversed it. Again, it just suits me better. Whatever suits you better is whatever you can stick to better and stay on plan with better will yield better results. Not the intricacy around the timings of carbohydrates and fats, etc., around your workout. Um, so... Let's get into the q and I hope that cleared that up. I know there's a few guys on Facebook as well. Stuart, John, if you have any questions around that, just shoot them in. David, good to see you on, mate, on the, the Facebook. Sorry, I uh, hadn't replied to your message here. If anyone's watching Facebook or Instagram, you want questions answered, now's the time to file them in. I am going to dive into the client weekly check-ins and see what we have through. Um, let's see. Uh, but if anyone has any other nutrition, training-based questions, Now's the time to ask. Now is the time to ask. Let's see what we have this week. There's always this lag period between me opening them. I should have got used to this <laughs> by now and actually having the questions ready so that this podcast actually runs pretty smoothly. But of course, I don't learn. <laughs> I am only human. Um, here we go. Hit my highest weight in the skills. Oh, we've got some good ones this week. Okay, excellent. So, Louise Graham, how do you know when you've reached your limit in terms of weight measurements? How do you know what your limit is? Should you have a goal you want to weigh? So, how do you know you've reached your limit? So, let me ask you this. Some people will often think that they can, they can never get past a certain weight or there is a certain weight that they just cannot get under. Let me ask you this. If you stopped eating, would you get under that weight? Of course you would. 100% you would. Um, so, it's just, in fact, Stuart, Stuart was actually asking this question himself. Um, if you stopped eating completely, you would get under that weight. So, therefore, you're just eating too much or the energy balance is off at the moment to where... And this is, for example, if the weight loss is plateaued, that we just need to make an adjustment. Now, there is a there is a cost benefit here. If you, I mean, you could drop calories to four or five hundred, lose weight quickly, plateau, your metabolism adapts, and then what? You're stuck. 
you're not going any lower than that. Some of these diets and things you're eating 800 calories. Like, I was eating 800 calories the last 10 days towards my shoot or something like that. It wasn't pretty. Um, so there is, there is no limit, essentially, to what you can go to. There is a limit to what you can do sustainably. So there has to be, a, and at the end of the day, some everyone has the, the idea in their head that, or the majority, vast majority of people, myself included in the past, by the way, I'm not saying that I was any different, that you diet once. Some people will join an exercise program or a fitness coaching program or some, something like that and have the opinion that they can diet for eight weeks or 12 weeks and that's it, game over. Sometimes it takes more than one bite at the cherry. Sometimes it takes a year. Sometimes it takes longer. Now, what this is then ties into is periods of dieting and then a diet break. There's incredible research around this. I have seen it used successfully with a lot of clients. Um, I've done it myself successfully as well. This is where you diet down for a little, then you would take, say, a two to four week break, um, increase calories, and then diet down again. So you would diet down to a point where, listen, I'm getting a bit run down. I'm maybe eating, you know, 12, 1300 calories. Louise is a kind of younger female. So let's say she got down to, to 1200 calories. Um, she goes, Andrew, I'm really hungry. I'm, my energy's a bit low. Um, can we maybe take a break? I'm not quite where I want to be yet, but, and we need to do something. Not a problem. We take a step back for two to four weeks. We say we reverse calories up, push them up to maybe 14, 1500 over a period of that two to four weeks. We don't just bung them up to 1500 straight away, reverse them up slowly. And then over that time period, the metabolism adapts. The goal is then to, to maintain weight for that time period. Generally, you won't see too many gains in weight if you, if you do it, if you do it correctly, if you increase calories quite gradually. Then what happens is after four weeks, energy levels are back up, your, your metabolism slightly accustomed to more calories, we can then cut again. So we drop it back down to 1,300, you know, or whatever, or whatever we would got to in that example. And the fat loss progress starts again. And we continue that cycle until you get to a point where you are comfortable, happy, and that's it. That, that, the, we'll touch on the third point here. How do you know what your limit is? As I said, that doesn't really exist. And should you have a goal for what you want to weigh? In my honest opinion, weight goals are complete nonsense. Utter bullshit. Listen, it's good to have a target to aim for. And I think you should have a focus on micro goals, aka, right, I'm at 100 kilos just now, or I'm at 95 kilos just now. I'm only saying that because John's on. I know that some of his targets just now. But they should, there should always be a push to that goal. You know, me personally, I was stopping this mini cup when I hit 72 kilos because I know how I look at 72 kilos. It's more around how I look and the level of leanness as opposed to the number in the scale. The number in the scale means nothing. It means absolutely zero. Now, there's healthy ranges and things like that. According to the BMI, when I was at 80 kilos there, I was obese. Genuinely, my BMI was obese. So take the, the measurements and things like that with a pinch of salt if you're someone who's a bit more trained. Um, having a weight target is great, but what happens if you get to that target and you're not where you want to be? Go until you feel comfortable, until you're happy, until you can look in the mirror or put on a bikini in Louise's case or uh, go to the beach if you're a guy or whatever. 
do whatever it is you want to do and you feel confident, you've got good energy levels, you're happy, you've got no anxiety around how you look, go to that point. Now, it's very easy to turn around and say, well, I'm never going to get there. Now, there has to be some realistic expectations. There's going to be a point where you eventually do it. If, if that point doesn't come, then that's leading into things like body dysmorphia and things like that. Things that I probably maybe had some dealings with, I wouldn't say I had full scale, but certainly um, never been satisfied kind of thing. Um, but I think anyone who is into this kind of thing and to the level where you're pushing, you're continuously pushing, there's always going to be that element of, it's, it's never enough, it's never enough. But I'm quite happy, I'm confident, I'm, I like how I look, and I'm always going to push to the next level. And I'm always going to continue that push. The end goal for me, it will never be, I will never have an end goal. <laughs> I've just got the next goal. But I still take satisfaction and delight and, what, and content and where I am and what I've done. Um, I think that's very important. It's so easy to get into okay, right, let's set the goal. What's next? What's next? What's next? Celebrate what you've done. If you're happy, if you've lost a good amount of weight, if you've got to a place where, shit, I've lost, and Stuart's done excellent in the programme, so has John. Both really, really good progress. Celebrate that. Um, but what is the ultimate look you want? What? How do you want to look for and feel? At the end of the day, you're not doing this for a number in the scale. Everyone wants weight loss. They see, everyone says they want weight loss. Everyone's what everyone wants what weight loss gives them. What weight loss gives you as a person. How what feelings it gives you. If you're lean, if you're but you not getting any excess fat, you look like how you look. You get good energy levels. That's where you want to be. You don't. It's not necessarily a number on the scale. For my photo shoot, I did not give a shit what the scale said. I got to a quite a light weight um, for what I was what I thought I was going to have to, to push to, but it made absolutely no difference to me. All I cared about was how I looked in front of the camera that day. That might sound shallow, and I might be a bit shallow, <laughs> but that's all I cared about at that time. I felt good. I felt thought I looked good. Didn't feel good, <laughs> but at the end of the day, that was that was the whole idea. I was pushing for something, pushing for an event. The scale, the number on the scale. It was a measure of progress, and that is all it ever should be. It shouldn't be the thing in your head or that you have to reach this goal because someone else weighs that or, you know, this person weighs this. It is a great way to measure progress. I don't think it's the best way. I think measurements, personally, are the best way to measure progress in photos. I think they're superior. Um, Louise actually mentioned that as well. She said some photos through and looked really good. Um, so, again, that to me... Um, is a far better measure of progress and setting the weight goal at the end of the day is a means to an end. Um, at the end of the day, you're doing it for the feeling, not for the weight goal. You're doing it for what that weight goal you think is going to bring you. So search for that and not the weight itself. Um, I'd be interested in learning about fat burning, optimal heart rate for fat burning, science behind HIIT training, etc. Daniel Fuss. Let me do that, a call on that next week for the clients. Um, I think we will do that. That's a quite an in-depth question. But I'll, but I'll, sk I'll skim through it. So I'm interested in about fat burning, optimum heart rate for fat burning, science-based HIIT training. Um, that's, that, that is going down quite a rabbit hole. Um, I will make that the, the group call for, for next Wednesday um, for Daniel, um, rather than kind of skimming over it and just doing everyone an injustice. Um, but... Hopefully everyone enjoyed that. Um, any questions, comments, anything whatsoever, just drop me a message by all means. 
Um, and as I said, we are currently running the EMF Accelerator £10 Challenge. For all the clients involved, you are completely free entry and access to all the prizes as well. Um, so I'll be getting these added to that all for starting on October 12th. Um, and apart from that, have a good day. Um, any questions, any comments, let me know. I will put the link to the challenge in the show notes. I will update that this podcast description to show that and stick it in the YouTube link as well. Um, so if anyone's got anything I can help with, listen, I'm only a question away. I discuss this all the time. I talk about my content all the time. If you're stuck at the moment, if you're struggling, if you've just come out of lockdown, you've gained a shitload of weight, a, lot, a lot's happened over the last few months, it's been tough. It's not been easy for anyone. Um, if you're struggling, ask for help. It is the one thing that is going to accelerate your progress tenfold. Um, at the end of the day, I've helped a lot of people. I probably know how to help you if it's to do with health and fitness. Um, and I am more than happy to answer your questions. Um, so if anyone needs a question answered, if anyone is really struggling, just reach out. I know it's not the easiest thing in the world to do, but it's going to be the quickest way to get your problem resolved. Um, hopefully you've all enjoyed that. And if you took some value from this podcast, we'd massively appreciate a review and a screen, a, a, a share on of some sort or a tagging your stories or something. That would be incredible. Um, that's all I ask. Um, hopefully you enjoyed it. See you all in the next one. You've been listening to Fitness for 9 to Fivers with Andrew Marsham. You're a grown-ass human being. You have a job, maybe two, kids, errands, bills, a wife, friends. And while the excuse list gets bigger, so does your waist. That's where Andrew comes in. Until next time, find Andrew on Facebook at andrew.marsham.737 and on Instagram at andrewmarsham underscore fitness. To reach out to Andrew, send an email at amfit1993 at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.